Chatting with Sherry. Today we're going to talk with Elizabeth Chatsworth. She's an award-winning author and uh, she won the Writers of the Future Award. She has her new debut novel, The Brass Queen. And here's Elizabeth. Hi Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to have you here. Um, you're new to the show, so would you mind telling in a very short little tiny bit a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you're living, a little, just a little bit. Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, I'm Elizabeth Chatsworth, and I was born in Sheffield in Yorkshire in England, and um, that's actually where I've set my debut book, The Vast Queen. This is set in my hometown, although I've left it behind now. I actually live in Connecticut in the USA, with my husband and small Yorkshire Terrier, Boo. Aww. <laughs> I love Yorkshire Terriers. They're so cute. Oh, yes, they're, yes, they're adorable. I mean, all all animals are wonderful. Yes. Uh, I, there's a special place in my heart for Yorkshire Terriers, being from Yorkshire, you know, not to be a stereotype. But, uh, <laughs> I do tend to love all things Yorkshire, so she fits in perfectly. <laughs> I love that, you know, that's one thing I, I I have a little buggy boo about. You know how people say there's cat people and dog people? I think I'm an all all, all animal people. <laughs> oh, me too, absolutely. I mean, they're all adorable. I, I have friends who actually have rabbits. Oh! Like cats and so on. It's like, yeah, if, if, they, if you two are making each other happy, I think it's all wonderful. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I have a cat. Her name is Piewacket. She's an adorable, sweet pain in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> like all cats. They, 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 they have their extremes. They're super loving and they can be just absolute terrors. But I guess that's why we love them. Yeah, yeah. She's right now laying with her tail across her face saying, Leave me alone. Don't talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the things that was very intriguing uh, is that you're a voice actor because I do that. It, it, I do it too, but not quite. I don't do commercials or any book reading, uh, that kind of stuff, just radio plays. Um, how did you get into that, and what what kind of voice acting do you do? Well, I actually was first on the radio when I was a teenager back in Sheffield. I was lucky enough to get on a BBC radio program, so I actually presented live and so on. And then I forgot all about it, and the life went on, and I never went back to audio until a few years ago. My husband and I were watching a home renovation show, of all things, and someone on the show was building a, a sound booth in their home to do audio recordings uh, to be a voice actor. 
And my husband said, well, you have a distinct voice. Why don't you do that? You could work from home. And I said, well, that's a great idea. And that's literally what started it. I started investigating it, and I took courses and took training and so on. And, and it was all down to HGTV. Otherwise, I would never have even known that was a career. It's really funny how you get weird inspirations from left field, but it's great because it it makes you do something. I sort of had a similar thing. I was watching a movie called Julie and Julia, and it's yeah. all about blogging. Uh, Julie blogs about Julia. And yes, Julia Child. I love that movie. I do, too. It's one of my favorite movies. And But she's, like, blogging, and I'm like, I wonder if I could do that. Because I'm a writer, she's a writer, she's blogging. Uh, it really inspired me to start. That's what led to Chatting with Sherry and all kinds of other stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you never know where you can find inspiration. Isn't that strange? It just comes out of left field. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought that you would be doing voice acting from HDTV? <laughs> I know. It's so odd. It really is. I mean, what if I'd been watching the, I don't know, DIY channel? Would I be now a carpenter? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the, the fate. This is how life takes you in different directions. Well, you never know. I mean, Harrison Ford was a carpenter, and look at him. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's an okay for himself, yeah. Yeah, he's, I think he's made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a terrific actor. He's, he's uh, in one of my favorite movies, Blade Runner. Um, and I just adore that cyberpunk uh, uh, aesthetic to the movie and so on. And, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and everything else. He's just a, a terrific actor. I know. It's, oh, one of my favorites uh, is a movie. He's very complex, and he does all these different kinds of movies. You know, he doesn't stick to one genre. And it's, I think he was younger. He did this movie with... Um, Gene Wilder, and it's called, I think it was called Frisco Kid or the San Francisco Kid, I don't remember which. Oh, yeah. Frisco? Yeah. It's Frisco Kid, right? I think it is. Yeah, and he's a bank robber, and and uh, Gene Wilder is a rabbi, and they become best friends. It's just the most adorable, yeah. sweetest, just a yeah. lovely movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Gene Wilder, another brilliant comic actor. Oh, isn't he? Oh, I mean, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he was so wonderful. I, I yes. actually can't, even when the movie was bad, he was great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he had charisma. Yeah. Uh, and you never know. Another one who, who never stuck to one genre is Gene Wilder. You never knew what he was going to do. Right. Right, Absolutely. I don't think he did science fiction, though. Did he do? Unless he called Young Frankenstein science fiction. <laughs> oh, sure, absolutely. I, I call that science fiction. And, uh, it, yeah, it's wonderful. And it's also kind of a musical, so, yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> uh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually movies like that that have uh, inspired me when I started writing, you know. I, I always loved a comic element in science fiction and fantasy and things like that are just perfectly on the nose for me. That's, that's, that's the kind of thing I find inspiring. I think that's also... I'm not a big fan of horror, but I like thrillers, especially something like uh, Hitchcock movies or the movie Charade. 
with that element of comedy that's thrown in throughout just to relieve the tension of the thriller part of it. Exactly, yes. I mean, you throw in a comic moment uh, at the right juncture and it just makes everything else just, just cut it into, into greater relief. Uh, so, yeah, comedy in, in any kind of theatrical presentation is, is so, always makes the story so much more important and so much more stirring emotionally, which is what any story is really about. It's just, just when the tension is too much, then you have that little laugh, and then you're back to the tension again. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely part of uh, the way I write as well, is having a, a, a lot of comedy just to set off those darker moments. Yeah, and it's really weird how quickly they are, like, right back and forth. Like, you're laughing your head off, and then you're, oh, my God, you know? <laughs> Right, <laughs> exactly, and it's all playing with the emotions, that's what it's all about, that's why we love certain movies, certain books, uh, they, they toy with our emotions, uh, and um, it, it's because of that, they, they really appeal to, the, to our innermost uh, desires for, for comedy and entertainment and so on. Did you ever see um, Charade with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love both those actors as well. And yeah. Cary Grant. Cary wow. Grant. Ugh. I know. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, that was my mom's favorite actor. And so yes. that's all I yeah. ever heard about was Cary Grant, Cary Grant. I mean, um, my, my love for classic films is from my mom. And, yeah. and so it's funny. I mean, I still have a crush on Cary Grant, and when I was a little girl watching, he was old enough then to be my grandfather. Yes. <laughs> Again, charisma. <laughs> and and uh, the character in my book, uh, J.F. Tuesday, he's a cowboy, mm -hmm. but he's, uh, he's 6'2", and he's got dark hair, and I always saw him as Cary Grant, a young Cary Grant, even though he's, uh, he's actually from, uh, from the Midwest and so on, and, and definitely a cowboy to and through. His face, he, he was always Cary Grant because he's just like, he's the perfect hero for me. I mean, how could you, how could you not put him in your book? And uh, he, he's got that hero look, but he's also got that sense of humor and mm -hmm. comedy, so, which is very important. For that the twinkle character. in his eye, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's just like, is this just me? Is this, is this madcap screwball adventure I'm in right now? Is, is this uh, actually going on, or am I just imagining the whole thing? And uh, just that, that bright sense of humor through it all, it's, it's just perfect. Uh, the reason I brought that up is you were talking, making a point about how it deflects for a little bit to make you rest. You know, you're just laughing. Yes. Do you remember the scene when he's fully clothed in the shower, and he's like... <laughs> Washing his tie and his and he goes poof poof and he's like cleaning himself. <laughs> and then, exactly. And the next scene, uh, the guy with I can't really good classic actor is an amazing lot movies, but he he gets him in behind him with the hook in his back right after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrific movie. I think that's that's it in Paris, isn't it? Yeah. Charade. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all in yeah. Paris. Oh, well, it starts in Switzerland and then goes to Paris and she finds out her husband's dead. Right, right. Yes, I, I remember now. Yeah, the two amazing actors with this wonderful, wonderful job, wonderful movie. 
because the comedy is always throughout. All the yes. bad guys are funny. Yes. <laughs> exactly. They said it was the best Hitchcock movie Hitchcock didn't make. <laughs> That's a great quote. I haven't heard that one. Uh, I don't know where I heard it. I think it was um, like Ben Mankiewicz on TCM or something. I don't know. But I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I love anything with Cary Grant. To catch a yes. thief, bring up baby, all his movies. Mm. Oh Bring Up Baby, absolutely. I mean just just uh, just wonderful. The Philadelphia story. Yeah. But these are all the movies that I grew up on and I think uh, there's those kinds of uh, elements, that comedy and uh, uh, those charming characters that's that's really what's directed me in my writing. If if I could, uh, I've often described the Brass Queen as a screwball comedy because it has all those elements in those kind of movies. It is it, a screwball it's, comedy. It's yeah, it is a screwball. It is. That's the only way to describe it. <laughs> and that's why Carrie Grant, you know, rest his heart, so, God rest his soul, and everything. But in a younger version, he would be perfect for for Tuesday, or he would be so good as that character in this book in this. Victorian rom-com screwball comedy. I mean, it, it would just be perfect. Do you ever watch a movie, or, well, no, take it back. Do you ever read a book and you see someone in your head as that character? And yes, and even though you, okay, I'll give, tell you what I'm thinking. There, uh, I love the book Da Vinci Code. I thought it was a really great book. But in yes. my head, I saw Harrison Ford. And oh. it's not that I have anything against Tom Hanks. I think he's a wonderful actor. But that ac yes. academic part of him and adventure part of him, like Indiana Jones, um, yes. I could see him in that character. Yes, absolutely. More, the more classically heroic type. Yeah, he would have worked perfectly in that role. I, 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 like I said, I love Tom Hanks. I have nothing against him. I think he's a wonderful yeah, actor. Oh, no, great. Yeah. But, but I just was a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know what you mean. And with the, with the Brass Queen, uh, she, the, our star is a feisty redhead. And um, I always see Karen Gillan. Oh, uh, he's wonderful. Pond, yeah, on uh, Doctor Who, which is my all-time favorite TV series. I just, I see her that way. But I've spoken to other people, and they see different actors, you know, uh, they, they, uh, in, in their minds. So everybody imagines uh, the casting for this movie in their head when they're reading a book, and they see it a slightly different way, which is fascinating. Yeah, like um, Fantasy Time Inc., what my lead male was a combination of three actors. So... Any of the ones, if you pick, if you like classic actors and you pick any of them, I'd be happy. But I don't care. You could pick <laughs> anybody you like. But the three characters, yes. act, the actors, one was Cary Grant, one was yes. Rod Taylor, and one oh, was yes. Clark Gable. I kind of had all three of them in mind when I was doing that character. Oh, my grandmother always said my grandfather was a spitting image of Clark Gable. Uh, and um, she brought out all the photographs one day, and I swear to God, he was like a doppelganger for Clark Gable. It was amazing. That's so interesting. You know, my grandfather looked kind of like Rudolph Valentino when he was young. Well, that's that's a great uh, that's a great look too. Which uh, 
it's like I said that to him once because I I was watching I don't know what movie I was uh, we were at their uh, their apartment and we were watching a movie and it was with Rudolph Valentino and I can't remember which one it was and I looked at my grandpa and there's this gorgeous picture when he got married to my grandma that's blown up and it was in their living room I looked at that picture and I looked at my grandpa and I looked at Rudolph and I go Grandpa, you kind of look like Rudolph Valentino when you were young. He goes, don't be ridiculous. I'm not that handsome. But he was. He was very <laughs> handsome. <laughs> yes. But sometimes you can't uh, see yourself the way other people do. And, uh, it's, uh, uh, people have told me, I remind them of Nigella Lawson. I'm like, well, I'm nothing like her, except I've got dark hair and a British accent. But okay. <laughs> They just make that connection, and that's that's the way they'll think of you for forevermore. It's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a girl who's like, you know, Nigella. But I mean, that is a compliment. I'll take it. I just wish I could cook like her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get compared to people too. Um, I had um, when I was still coloring my hair before what's going on. Um, <laughs> I had like red highlights, and I have hair but I have uh, red I had red head red, red, red highlights red highlights gotcha <laughs> and they said yeah, I look like oh what's her name Kelly oh she's in uh, Mystery Woman do you ever watch that show no I haven't I haven't seen that one and she's in another she's she's been in a lot of shows but uh, anyway, they said I look like her, and I looked at her because I was a big fan of Mystery Woman. I look at me, and I'm like, they're crazy. I look nothing like her. Just because I have a little <laughs> red in my hair does not mean I look like her. <laughs> was it Vivian Belisario? What? Uh, the, 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 I wonder is is that the actress? Oh, I'm not sure. no, no, it wasn't. It uh, wasn't. Like, it was a simpler <laughs> name. Oh, okay. No worries. No worries. But, yeah. um, yeah, so I'm like, no, I don't look like her. Mm -mm. <laughs> That's very nice. I, but no. You can just take it as a compliment. If they're, if they're a gorgeous actor, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. That's, that's always a good thing. Well, I mean, it is a compliment, but it's just. Yeah. You, you look at yourself and you know, nah. Uh uh. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember. You know how you do the ABC thing? Going through the uh, names, the last names with ABC. No, I don't know that. Is, it, is that a... It's a, a method when you can't think of something. Oh, I know. I don't know that. Well, what is it? Like you like you go, um, like her, last, her first name is Kelly. I know that. And so you go A, B... And you go each with some name in your head, trying to get to. Okay, I got it. Kelly Martin. Oh, okay. All right. I got to M. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good tip. But what, especially because I'm older now, and uh, my my memory. I used to have the sharpest memory. Better yeah. than. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. That's one of my, that was one of my talents. Was I had uh, I still can remember every movie I ever saw, every TV show I ever liked. Um, 
even from when I was a kid that other people don't remember that I had a look up uh, at like collectible shows and find pictures so I can bring it home and say, see, it does exist. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm totally with you on the, the memory thing. I mean, I started writing The Birth Queen five years ago and I knew every detail in it. I knew every character's eye color and height and where they went to school and you know, what their favorite food was and all this. And now I have to actually consult an Excel spreadsheet because even though I've lived with these characters for five years, my memory has, has dwindled over that five years to the point where I have to look everything up now. And it's uh, this is, these are facts that I've made up myself. I know! That was really sad! <laughs> it's really, really sad. And it's got so much worse this year with all the, the stress of the world and everything that's going on. It's just... Um, my memory, if it was 90% before, it's down to a good 25% now. It's really bad. Hopefully it improves in the future. Otherwise, I'm going to be consulting Excel spreadsheets for everything. And that's, oh, that's a, oh, yeah. That's weird because I, I try to work through it. Like, that, yeah. that, I don't usually say that when I'm interviewing uh, the ABC, but that's my, one of my tricks to yeah. try to remember something. Sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a go. I mean, maybe maybe it will help. But, um, yeah, I mean, it may not help with eye color, you know, because you can't really ABC that. I mean, there's only like four yeah. eye colors. <laughs> right, exactly. What is blue, green, gray, and brown? Is there any other? Yeah. Um... I, th I think there might be violet. I think Elizabeth Taylor. Oh yeah, supposed to have violet eyes. Violet eyes, which are yeah. basically light and blue. <laughs> yeah, I know green is the rarest color because that's why I picked it for my heroine, uh, Miss Constance Holt. We saw she's a redhead with green eyes because there's just something about uh, that combination that makes you makes a, uh, the the heroine stand out like oh this is the one you should be looking at you know she's the unusual one so it works and it also just works for her general personality that she's a she's a fiery redhead in her personality as well um so that's one of the interesting things when you're designing characters you want their physical appearance to mirror what's going on inside so we have Cary Grant playing J.F. Truesdale because he's the hero with the comic touch and uh, she ha and uh, Constance has the the fiery hair and the fiery personality, so it's a good way to give people a, a shortcut to what your characters are all about. Yeah, it makes sense. I well, my eyes are blue, and I know that they're changeable. So I kind of I've used that in characters t for yeah. a character that one character was a, a spy, another one was just uh, moody. And because yeah. if you have blue eyes, it, it, your your mood affects your eye. It's really strange, but I've I've been with some friends, and you can wear a color that will make your eyes look different. And I mean, I my eyes can look gray. My eye, they can't look brown, but they'll look like hazel yeah. or gray or yeah. or blue. <laughs> Sometimes even yeah. green. But it depends what mood you're in and what you're wearing. So it's really good to put a character like that because then it's like, especially if they're a spy. Yes. <laughs> because absolutely. Because then they can manipulate yeah. it. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's an interesting trait that uh, you know that reflects uh, many different facets of their personality. But just speaking of great eyes, there was a time in romance novels where the English heroes, for for some reason, they always had great eyes. It was just that was the thing. That was the that was the trope that uh, this, this told you that this was a romantic lead who just appeared because they're always tall with grey eyes. Uh, but I don't think that's necessarily true anymore, but it sure was a few years ago. That's interesting. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I had the biggest argument, because uh, my eyes are blue, but they are changeable, so sometimes they don't look blue. And I had right. a big argument with this girl who told me, no, you do not have blue eyes, you have hazel eyes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I realized I was wearing a um, a brown, uh, like a, uh, like a velour, it was a while ago, it was many years ago, uh, and velour was very popular. I was, I was wearing a brown velour shirt with a little green trim on it, and I go, oh, okay, I figured it out. So the next day I saw her, I wore black, because I know that makes my eyes look really blue. <laughs> She's like, oh, your eyes are blue. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So you you were uh, you basically set the stage so that she would see you the way you wanted to, her to see you, which is interesting. Yeah, it was the eye color I was born with. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really weird. It's just this weird, and I I didn't know it until I was in school. You know, and o a little older, like like fifth or sixth grade. That's when people start saying stuff like that to you. Um, yeah. And, and I was, um, but this one was, I was an adult, I was a woman, and I'm like, I think I know what my eye color is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it just annoyed me. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. No, you want, you want to, it, it's jarring when people don't see you the way you, you think you are. I know, I know. It just was weird. And I, and it, I actually went into the bathroom to look, and I went, no, my eyes are still blue. And so I, I looked down at my shirt, and I went, oh. <laughs> it was a reflection from the shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, people's perceptions can often be based on accents as well. Um, for instance, my accent, British, I can say whatever I want to say, but people are never going to think of me as threatening or intimidating in any way, because my accent and voice just don't sound it. I mean, I just, you, you know, I'd be like, well, you know, you're, you're a bad person, and I'm just going to, you know, just, I, I'm just not scary at all in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I can, at best I can sound like a, like a, a Mary Poppins stern, <laughs> but that's it. I mean, so... No matter what my actual personality is, that's it. I'm typecast. I'm never going to be, you know, that uh, that dangerous heroine who who, who does, I don't know, whatever she does. Uh, just, just, I'm just don't have that edge, you know. I could, I could probably run a tea shop in a story, you know, that would work. But uh, I'm, I am uh, bound by my accent and, and physical voice uh, that uh, to never be a dangerous heroine, no matter how much I want to be. Um, that that strong female protagonist. I'm always going to be. Oh well, that's the lady who runs the tea shop. But oh yes, well that that does sound more like me, to be honest, than the uh, than the you know weapon wielding uh, superhero gal. But I'll just be over here making scones. <laughs> 
Well, it's not necessarily true because there's been, you know, heroes that are women that ha are have the sweetest face and the sweetest voice, but they still kick ass. Yes, absolutely, in their own way. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, I actually, um, I played on a radio play, A Femme Fatale. I, it was the only time I've ever played a bad guy. And I really loved it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be the only way I'd ever get cast that way is by doing a radio play. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the great thing about acting. You can be, you know, anyone. Um, and also video games. You can become a very different character to what you are in, in normal life. I mean, for instance, this week, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 came out, which is hardcore science fiction uh, video game. And I'm playing this cyber hacker, and she's running around with weapons and uh, being super dramatic and all this kind of thing and and my husband comes by and, and says oh yeah how's your character doing I said well it's great but she does swear rather and he's like oh yes I, I, that's, that's what I hear about the review of Cyberpunk 2077 they do swear rather <laughs> it's so incongruous with the, with the actual cyberpunk world my actual commentary on it I, I, it was it was funny <laughs> I love, that's cute. <laughs> you don't die from your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's really interesting because it's, um, especially with voice acting, is that you can play anything. You can play yeah. anything. And, and you can play somebody really young or somebody really old or somebody who's a totally mean, rotten person or a person that's the sweetest person in the world. Sometimes you could be both in one show. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm actually recording the audiobook of The Brass Queen, and I am recording all the voices, obviously, and I'm recording the villains and uh, the working class uh, coachmen and putting on Yorkshire accents, and everybody talks like that, and, and you know, very different uh, physicality and everything, and, and doing it all yourself, putting on your own radio show, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard, but it's really exciting at the same time just to see well how much range do I have and can I can I do all these guys with these different accents and it's, it's a lot of fun but it, it's, it sure is hard work yeah I, I was thinking about um, I saw Stephen Fry yesterday on Graham Norton and I was like oh yeah he did all the voices in Harry Potter and I'm just like one guy doing all the voices on Harry Potter all seven books can you imagine that <laughs> He is amazing. He is he, amazing. He's a, he's a British national treasure. Yeah, he's he's just unbelievably talented. I just, oh my God! I was like, I mean, everybody. This is the so every all the characters are so different. It's just, ah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and my uh, for my book that we're actually doing a second version, which is a real radio drama. So we're going to have uh, other actors come in and act out the other parts. So I'll be doing the narration and the female parts, but guys will actually be doing the guys' voices. So my Cary Grant stroke J.F. Truesdale character will have a character doing that actual voice and so on. And it's going to be so interesting how different those books are going to sound uh, because, one, you just have me doing my tremendously bad different accents but I'm the author so you know the inflection is exactly what I intended 
whereas these other folks are coming in and they're giving their interpretation of these characters and how they're acting. And it, it, it could it could sound a completely different book coming, I mean, so it's going to be exciting to find out what happens. So does your Cary Grant character sound like Cary Grant? Uh, he he sounds Midwestern. Uh, what but what I think of as Midwestern, which probably isn't at all. I mean, uh, when they were casting the voice actor for the book, they said, "Well, what does he sound like? Is he is he a John Wayne because he's a cowboy?" Uh, and he's from Kansas. I said, well, um, maybe, but I have always thought he sounds more like the guy on the Kia ad right now, where it's like, hey, come on, America, let's get out there and do this. I, said, I think he sounds more like that. So they were trying to cast based on an English woman's perception of what a Midwestern accent sounds like from Kansas in 1897 based on a Kia ad. So, you know, they probably should have, use their own judgment <laughs> what the book should have sounded like but that's what it sounds like to me uh, Cary Grant doing a, doing a, a modern day car ad with a with a cowboy accent so yeah that's I'm sure it's going to be on the money one way or the other that's kind of, well, it should be interesting um, it's going to be interesting yeah it's, uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll all turn out I mean fortunately I'm working with a professional studio and engineer and so on so uh, whatever my personal taste may have led to to, uh, to to the actors' accents and everything, I'm sure they're going to fix everything because they're all real Americans, so they know what people from the Midwest sound like. Yeah. So they're going to be much better judges than I am. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Writers of the Future. Um, oh, yeah. How did you get involved with that? Well, I actually went to a writing conference called... Um, uh, Superstars writing seminars in Colorado in February, and whilst I was there, uh, a few different people said, "Oh well, you know, you should enter this contest. Uh, it's it's free. It's the biggest science fiction and fantasy writing contest in the world. It's for people who are uh, not uh, professionally published yet, and give it a go." And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should do that and sort of put it out of my mind. Uh, but um, it came down to one of the, uh, the, the deadlines. There's four deadlines a year uh, to enter this. And so one of my Facebook friends said, hey, you know, uh, did you write something for the contest? And I thought, well, you know, deadline's coming up. Maybe I should submit. So I did. And then I probably forgot about it. And then I got this call that, you know, I was through... To the finals and then actually won and it was just amazing i think the message i want to pass on here is that if you hear about this contest with this podcast or some other way and you are wondering well should i shouldn't i then just go for it because you never know it might actually work out for you if even if you don't win created a story and submitted it which is half the battle in itself is actually finishing a story and if you do get to to the upper echelons of the judging and so on you can get feedback on your story uh, from some of the best writers in the world people like David Farland who wrote the Boom uh, Lord series and there's uh, Rebecca Maestro and, and uh, co-authored the uh, the Star Wars uh, the Star Wars books and so on so you, you can get feedback it's free to enter there's four chances a year 
and who knows you might win and if you win you can be, go to this big uh, presentation and award ceremony in Hollywood and have a week long session with famous writers on how to improve your craft and how to become a professional writer and that will all be happening next April so I can't stress enough that if you are a science fiction or fantasy writer and you write short stories or you want to try writing short stories then you should definitely check out uh, the uh, writers of the future because it's an amazing opportunity um, which book are you in? I will be in Writers of the Future, Volume 37, which will be published in April at 2021. And did you, um, were you excited, um, and how did you find out about it? I mean, did they call you, or did you get an email, or how did you get it? I got a phone call, and um, I was, I actually got a voicemail, to be honest, the, the, the first the first time I, I noticed the, my phone flashing and it said um, uh, 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 it was a California number and I thought oh no another spam call <laughs> so I checked it out later and then I was like oh hello the gentleman from the future and I, I just I was just flabbergasted my guest was flabbered I, I couldn't believe it and um, it's it, the process takes several weeks to see how you know who goes through to the final round and so on uh, but it was uh, it was just unreal, and I just can't believe my luck because so many of the writers and illustrators in this book series have gone on to accomplish amazing things. They're all super talented, and just to be counted amongst those folks who who won uh, this contest is just such a great honour. Um, and uh, I actually have for years have been reading this book. I always buy the anthology and read it because it's one of the best sci-fi fantasy anthologies out there and so just to be the, the, the idea that I'll be in those pages of my story of the widow's might is just uh, it's just mind-blowing the whole thing just feels unreal I mean it's been months now and I'm still floating on air about it it doesn't, doesn't seem like a, a real thing that happened but apparently it did um, congratulations I think it's great oh, thank you um <coughs> So now that that has happened and you'll be going to the big weekend next year, um, <laughs> what's next on your horizon? Well, uh, The Brass Queen, uh, which is my guest fantasy, is actually being published on January 12, 2021. So I'm within a month of the launch, so all focus now is on the book launch which is going to be very exciting. Um, we do have a virtual book launch party on the 12th, but um, hopefully people will discover the book and will read it and will enjoy this madcap escapade through this steampunk Victorian world with all these wacky characters. Uh, so once that's over, um, I will be focusing on the sequel to The Brass Queen, which is when our valiant heroes head off to... Paris, of all places, and have a, a wonderful madcap adventure there, too. So all my focus is going to be on that and writing short stories set in the Brass Queen universe, which is actually what the story that won the Writers of the Future contest was. 
it's actually a story set in that same steampunk universe, so everything's synced. That's good. That's really cool. Um, we're coming to the end. What is, do you have a website? I do. It's at www.elizabethchatsworth.com. And uh, you can actually find out about my stories, my short stories, and my novel. But you can also listen to my voiceover demo if you like yeah. to hear more of my accent, if you're not tired of it already. <laughs> Americans like English accents. They think it's charming. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will bank that credit because that's wonderful. I, I love that people find the British accent charming. And I also love American accents, too, just, just for the record. Okay. Uh, I don't. Uh, okay. I'll accept that. Um, I don't know if that's to me, but I mean, I'll accept it as. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, do you have any social media so people can say hi? Oh, I do. Um, so I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, uh, they're all my names, so it's all Elizabeth Chatsworth. So do stop by and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have time to stop by my website and uh, drop a note into the contact form and say you heard this podcast and you like scones, I'll be happy to send you my world-famous <laughs> scone recipe, which apparently is wonderful. It's one of the few things I can actually nail every time is this is this scone recipe so if you want that do stop by the website but I'd love to hear from you on any social media thank you thank you for coming on I hope you enjoyed it oh I did it was lovely to meet you Sherry thank you so much for inviting me on your show oh I've enjoyed it very much um, thank you and thank you for oh, <laughs> and thank you for chatting with <laughs> Sherry <laughs> 